Good afternoon, I'm Darren Kelly and welcome to this week's Ladies Football Edition of The Fair Green. Tonight's guest has been described as a pioneer of Monaghan football and played an instrumental role in the county's breakthrough All-Ireland titles in the 1990. Brenda McInespie has married family and football through an illustrious career and her legacy lives on with her daughters playing inter-county and also involved with Innifail in this Saturday's Monaghan Senior County Final against Dunamoyne. We chat to Brenda about those All-Ireland successes in Crow Park, similar wins with Mon and Harps, and how winning on the national stage with her family bookended into the successful 30-year career. Monaghan's Brenda McInespy is this week's guest on The Fair Green. Brenda, welcome to The Fair Green. Thank you very much. Now, for any listeners who haven't seen it so far, before we kick off the interview, make sure you catch TG Carr's Lacra Gale uh, this season. Uh, Brenda was one of the featured players, and that was an absolutely excellent hour. Now, we'll probably recycle some of the stuff that was talked in that, but we'll we'll try and go different ways as well. But I just wanted to get out there. Brenda, just a question on that. Um, doing Lacra Gale, especially now with an hour program as well, it's a real in-depth uh, look into your life, not just on the field, but off the field as well. How did you find working on that program? Um, I remember at the very beginning when I was asked, you're probably a bit apprehensive because you're going back over it, but I have to say the whole experience was very, very enjoyable because it brought back memories for me. And um, I know coming up to it, probably um, at the very beginning, um, we were all meant to have had a preview of the program before it actually went live. And I was sort of clinging on to that because you could die in I mean, the amount of interviews you've done, you knew they were being compiled into an hour and you actually couldn't remember what you said. So unfortunately, the lockdown happened and the preview was sort of disregarded. So I was the same as every viewer. I actually was watching it for the first time when it actually was aired on TG4. But in fairness, it ended up turning out really, really well and the whole family enjoyed it. And it definitely was a worthwhile experience, anybody that was going to do it. It was brilliant for the family. And even my own children learned something out of it as well, things they may not have knew before. So it was very worthwhile doing it. Yeah, I think I read somewhere, was it was it Emer, was it, we will talk about 1997 in a bit, but was Emer the 16th player on the field and she was only realising the full extent of that as well watching the programme? Um, I think it was. I mean, it would have been talked about in the house, but I suppose maybe just with, among ourselves, but when it was being aired, um, maybe the length and breadth of the country, and she knew she probably would have been the topic of conversation as well. So, um, you know, it was a bit of banter here in the house. But then I suppose when it aired, she was going, how did you do that? But um, I think it all went with the programme and she did enjoy it, to be fair. What I found great about the programme before we go on is that uh, you often watch these type of um, features on television or even like things we're doing as well. You, do, you never get to really know the person. But I felt after that hour I got to know Brenda McInespy regards your passion for football, your passion for family, everything else that came along as well. And it really, really was a very, I thought it was a very well put together hour. Oh yeah, in fairness, I think the way they put it together and um, I had a hand it to them and even the music, everything that went with it. I mean, but it, it genuinely, it was just a journey in my life. And I mean, you went through different stages of playing football and as you said, family and I suppose living along the border, everything. But at the end of the day, I think it showed how much football played a big part of my life. And, you know, from when I had the children on and then, um, as I said, football then became such an important part of their lives as well. And the friends that I made through it, I mean, when I look back, a lot of the friends that I have made, I would never have probably made them if it hadn't been because of football. So um, it gave me so many 
positive things as well. And you, as you mentioned, if, um, regards to children as well, if I'm, if I'm right and correct me if I'm wrong, I think five of them have gone on to represent Monaghan in some shape or form. Um, yes, now, in fairness, maybe, well, six of them possibly. Shauna would have been the one that maybe didn't play as much county football as the rest. She played at under 14 level, and she actually, that's when she took sick, and that was part of the programme as well. Um, and funny, the feedback I've had on that um, has been had for. I had to talk to people with the illness she had, but she would have played under 14. And after that, I suppose that ended her county career. But the, the other five um, are at the minute, they've all played county football, but she did play it under, at under 14 level. And as I said in the program, the wee fella will be hoping to do that down the line, but maybe with a different colour of jersey on them. So. <laughs> I won't try and stir any yeah. trouble now between yourself and Vincent in regards to that, but that'd definitely be a, a treat for yourself in one way, which call it if that does materialise. As I said, I don't mind, and we do it. There's a joke here in the house, he does get some um, slagging, but in fairness, I mean, we've been living here probably for 14 years, and um, if he puts on the throne jersey, we'll be supporting him 100%. You know, and um, when it comes to playing Monaghan, That'll be, the, that'll be the only issue they'll be, but no, as I said, when they're not playing Monaghan, I would be supporting Throne, so there's no issue with it at all. I think you go, your heart is where the kids are, so whatever happens down the line, if he's, if he's blessed to get a chance to play for County, we'll be supporting him. Oh, sure, certainly, and which college, sure, even with, with your own as well, another great proud uh, Ulster and a national GA county as well. Brenda, um, just going through your career as well, it's been a, a remarkable journey going back. I think it was 1978 when you won a boys under 12 county title. Where is supposed to start? Because the options for girls weren't really there as much. Did the passion for football start for you? I'm probably being born in Scotland, and I have to say, Scotland would be. Um, a very, very historical place with regards to football. And whenever I was growing up, um, football played a massive part of my life. And it wasn't, I, I had one brother who played football for Stosson as well, and he's heavily involved at Stosson Club at the minute, and um, his children play for Stosson. But when I was growing up, my, my dad would have been passionate with the Stosson Club, and he would have done so much fundraising for the club. But that's probably where I spent all my weekends as a supporter was going to watch Scotstown playing. And as I said, at school, Sean McKeag, the ex-president, would have been um, the teacher in the school. And as I said in the programme as well, there was another girl along with myself that had got involved in playing football. So we played under 12 for the boys, which we won a county title. And that would have been the first probably introduction to competitive football. Maureen Boylan, if I'm right, was the other Marian, girl. Marion Boylan. Marian Boylan. Uh, yeah. As you mentioned Sean McCaig as well, he was a massive influence in your career because it was him, his encouragement to definitely open up the doors to allow you to continue on with the lads. Oh, I mean, his encouragement was definitely 100%. He was there. I remember um, him having a sight on the, the playing fields at dinner time in the school and the principal before him, and it probably was no harm, Lord of mercy, the principal at the time, but probably he was nearly afraid of making a home with dirty clothes or whatever. But Sean probably just knew football. He was a passionate football man himself. Um, he had a side play and teaching us the basic, basic skills. And as I said, that's what would have introduced us to football at the very start. Because as you said, ladies' football wasn't in Monaghan at that particular stage. So from that up until maybe under 14. And as well as that, Mark and the Firma and Freud were a big thing in the parish as well. So there would have been football, you know, when you were a part of those organisations as well. So... 
and that all probably gave me the opportunity to play, but not maybe at county level, as I said, until I get married at that stage. So. And the thing is, a lot of people don't realise because I suppose the success the ladies football have had in recent times with 56,000 going into Crow Park is that the organisation itself is not 50 years old yet. And as you said there, money in ladies football wasn't even up and running when you were playing. No, the ladies football, I remember um, I would have been dying to play football in the teenage years, but it just wasn't there. You had the odd opportunity, as I said, in Mark and the Firma and uh, Paroiga. But not to the same extent. I would have been um, 1991 after I got married was whenever Monaghan themselves set up a county team. And at that stage, I would have been living in any deal. So that's how I actually started playing football. Um, there was talk of football starting. The twins were born in 1990. They would have been one at the time. And I remember thinking, God, I'd love to give this a go. So to get playing, you had to play at the club. So there was not an any deal where I was living. And then my home, I suppose the, my home where my heart would have been was Scotland. They had no ladies' football either. So in fairness, there was a number of girls, Eileen McIlvany, I remember her getting in touch with me with Monaghan Harps. And that's where my ladies' football would have started. And I have a lot to thank for Monaghan Harps for that. That would have been in 1991. I started playing football with Monaghan Harps. And from then, once the county started, um, I would have been involved with it. Of course, with your passion of football and then this opportunity comes up as well. Little did you realise the journey you were about to go on, especially over the next 10 years? Oh, I mean, definitely not. And it wasn't easy. I mean, you're looking back at it now and people would say to me, how did you do it? But to be fair, I remember the children, they just, they became part of it. I mean, it's, they came with you. If, if Vincy wasn't at home, I would have brought them with me to the football and the McNally family, that's how I would have maybe got to know the whole McNally family, who were also probably a big football name. Um, there were six to five of them, and their mother played in the Junior All-Ireland Final. But I started to know them, so they ended up mighting the children whenever I was going to training. And just that whole cycle, I mean, if it was a good evening, you brought them with you. But it ended up there was never an issue. The only thing was there was never a routine in the house. I mean, I used to think <laughs> the children never slept, but... I suppose it was my own fault because there was no routine. There was no bedtime at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock. But as I said, looking back, it was enjoyable and they were part of the journey with me, which made it probably even more special. As you said yourself before, quote, you know, the two things you wanted was football and family. And isn't it great that you can marry the two of them together as well uh, before you really got going on this journey? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember saying that quote in the, on the programme as well. And I, didn't, I actually couldn't remember saying it. But it was we had a class reunion and it was one of the girls that brought it to my attention that I actually had said that I wanted to have a big family and play football. So I suppose um, I got what I wanted. So that was the main thing. And of course, everybody's so heavily involved as well. 1991, the Monaghan journey kicked off. I know there was this, um, uh, All-Irelands with Monaghan Harps as well. 1992, you won an All-Ireland junior uh, championship. It was your second season up and going. Was there a feeling at the time that there was a squad of players together that could do something special? Oh, I think so. I think, I mean, not sure enough when you're starting up first. It just takes a wee bit of time. But when you start then to know the players, you be, you end up getting like a family. And I think 1992 was just the, the foundations of the next couple of years. You know, um, every year there was new players became involved. And I think the more we started to play together, the better we got. And, I mean, that probably was the foundation for the 96, 97, 98 team. 
um, you know, the success that came after that. Well, there was a fierce rivalry with Waterford that would develop over that period as well, but you still got to play in six All-Ireland finals in six days. I know some of them didn't go according to plan. I know you didn't play in one in particular, um, but see, see Monaghan up there competing with the best of the country. Oh, I mean, it was brilliant. And I think it's just to play in Crow Park, and I mean, it is that, um, that such a special, special feeling um, to get the opportunity to do that. And as I said, a few years maybe I would have missed out maybe in 95 in the final um, but you're still there part and parcel of it you know and just to be given that opportunity is something really really special and it'll be something I'd love to see for the girls getting the opportunity for that again and um, hopefully they will I have no doubt we will talk about the current Monaghan team in not too long, but I think 95, you were pregnant with Ryan at the time, and you spoke about, I read an interview from the following year before the 96 final, where um, if anything, that probably gave you that bit of drive as well for 96 too, because you really, well, obviously, Ryan, Ryan's rival was, was wonderful too, but uh, missing out on the occasion as well, definitely probably fueled you leading into 96. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I remember 95, and probably... Um, we lost in 94 narrowly and probably in fairness Monaghan really did give Waterford a good run for it in that 94 final and then in 95 I probably was so determined maybe in 95 and I remember then as I said and I think Ryan got some slagging for this in the programme that he wasn't <laughs> banned I think he was getting some slagging over that but it happened so I had to sit that year out but it did give me more motivation to come back the following year for 96 <coughs> So, thankfully, maybe the year I'd done no harm in the end, he took a step back, and then I came back maybe stronger for it in 96. Of course, then finally, the Waterford uh, sleigh was done in 97, not in Crow Park, admittedly, I mentioned it was, back then it was home and away venues for All-Ireland semi-finals, and a lot of people would not have gotten to see that contest, but... Uh, to beat Mon to beat Waterford, I know there was still a game at Leash to come in Crow Park. You must have felt you were on your way now. Oh, I mean, I think it was brilliant. Um, I know when we beat Waterford, it was not a bug, and I think there was a lot of talk about that in the programme as well. Um, you just remember beating Waterford in the semi-final um, was that big stepping stone. Now, we knew you had to get over Leash as well, but to beat Waterford in your home territory was a big, big stepping stone, and to do it in Ahabog, I think Michael Ryan was saying Monaghan brought him out. He didn't know where he was going, but in fairness, it was... Um, probably a good tactical move in the heart of the management, but it worked out well and we got to our final against Leash and lucky enough brought the first Ireland title back to Monaghan. Tell, <laughs> Tell us about that though, beating Leach in the final and during the lockdown, one of the great things we got to see in TG Carr was that whole Ireland final against Leash as well. Uh, tell us about that and, and the celebrations going home. Well, I think the first game, I mean, you go back to the first game and it's very funny you think you should remember a lot of things about football, but it was actually the programme and watching the game again on the television that bring, you know, different things back. And even talking to um, Marie Crotty herself and myself had to go up to Crow Park last year and talking to her even brought more memories back as well. The first game, um, we had the game within our grasp and the, as I said, the thing that stands out in my mind again is the free kick at the end and Lula Carroll, Lord of Mercy on her as well. Um, taking the free, we were three points up and um, the ball at the back of the net and I mean it felt as if we had lost the game. I remember the dressing room just being eerily silent and um, we hadn't lost but yet it felt as if we had 
and then we get the opportunity to come back again. And when we won it, I think it was brilliant. The celebrations, I remember driving around Monaghan, um, and anybody that knows Monaghan, I mean, the country roads, there was bonfires in the roads, we had the bus. It was just brilliant. And as I said, even um, to have the children involved in that, to see that, um, they wouldn't have seen it before. As I said, the men have probably come back up in recent years, but Monaghan people hadn't had that experience. I know maybe it was a small level compared to what men would be, but um, it was brilliant. The cars that came out to meet us and bonfires along the road and things like that, they'll always stand out in your memory. County did get behind you because, as you said there, there was an All-Ireland semi-final in 88, but Monaghan, well, they've had success in the last few years with regards to Ulster titles too, but uh, the county was starved of national success uh, either side of your golden period. Oh, yeah, as I said, it was just, it brought something. Monaghan have a brilliant passion for football, and it doesn't matter. Um, I know they may not have been successful at national level, but I think even for the ladies to do that, it just... It brought it on. So many young girls get involved, and even young, probably even young boys as well. And I think even Monaghan men's football has progressed on so much from that period as well. And I think when you see success at national level, no matter what it be, it just gives that drive to people to get involved and the crowd get behind you. And I think it's just Monaghan people are very, very passionate for such a small county. Um, and as I said, they may say they're punching above their weight, but I think it's the passion and drive of the people and that success that we had that maybe you know, was again a second stone towards that. And it's a good point there, Brenda, because people have talked about Bonham's recent um, success or, com- or competitiveness at the top level of men's this. It goes to show that if you have that passion and drive, as you mentioned, and you have everybody buying in and working together as a unit, that small counties can compete against the big teams like the Dublins and the Kerrys. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, and I know, as I said, we would have been at ladies' football at the beginning. We come up and probably were looked on as a smaller county. But once you have, once you get a little bit, bit of success at all, it gives you that drive to go further. But it's the passion, and I think the support is brilliant. And we even seen it within men's football. Um, we came within a whisker in the men's football of getting to an Ireland final and just lost out. But that passion and drive, I think the people of Monaghan deserve it. And I think that passion and drive is still there. Um, it doesn't matter the numbers that you have involved. If, you, if the people that are there want to play and have the passion and drive, you will be successful. And hopefully down the line, there'll be more success for both teams. Certainly. So you mentioned Marie Carotti there a few minutes ago. I think it was the 25th anniversary of your first clash in Crow Park when you got together. There was still unfinished business with Waterford. It's one thing beating them in an All-Ireland semi-final where very few see it, but you had to get them in Crow Park to complete the story. Uh, I mean, you're saying probably at that stage maybe, we won a semi-final and you beat them. But to beat them in the final, and I think that's what 97 um, was just the pinnacle maybe and the success that we had was beating them in that 97 final and all the extra time. Everything that went with it probably made it so, so special. The crowd coming on to the pitch, just everything about it. Um, uh, the girls cramping and I think it's just one memory that's going to stick out in a lot of people's minds and memories. Of course, as well with that 97-2, the story about Emer has been already done in the TV programme. But when you think back at it now, or even as you said, when you watch back at the programme, when it was all put together and all that, uh, does a part of you go back, kind of go, was I mad to do that? Or was it just simply you were focused and you knew you'd be okay and off you go? Yeah, probably at the time, yes. Whenever, um, at the time when I was doing it, probably you had, I had been with the doctor and you'd, you'd, the adrenaline was there and you'd done it. 
And I mean, I had no issue doing it and I felt completely at ease because Vincey, I think the people that were important knew and the people that had given you the support, you knew you were there and I felt safe doing it. Now watching it back, um, and as a mother, you probably have another perspective of it, watching it back um, and I'm going, oh God, um, you know, you're probably that wee bit more nervous watching it. I, I noticed tackles I went in for that. I probably didn't think of during the game, but if it was one of my own girls doing it, you would have been an awful lot. I could understand why I didn't tell my mother beforehand, put it like that. I was glad she didn't know. Um, and maybe if it was now, maybe the game has moved on that wee bit more now, but um, it would be a different situation if you're looking at it from somebody else's perspective. But when I was doing it myself, I never felt at any stage that I was at risk. And thank God, you know, thank God I wasn't. No, you weren't. I do remember one challenge in particular too. And of course, watching it again after after being aware of the story, you kind of go, "Oh, genie!" Like you know. But as you said, everything worked out brilliantly, and uh, back back to back All Ireland titles. Uh, little did you think at the time, I suppose, that that would be it in regards to winning All Ireland titles with the team. Um, definitely not. I mean, after that, there was a lull, um, and then Monaghan would have had a great minor team, and it was just. You know, come up against the Corks. I know when the girls were playing, they were unlucky a couple of years as well. But I definitely would have thought maybe at this stage, because the talent of players that have been that have gone through the ranks in Monaghan, they have been there. They've just probably been a little bit unlucky. So you'd be just hoping that maybe with a wee bit of luck as well, because sometimes that's all it takes is a wee bit of luck, that maybe they would get to that um, level again. It's not going to be easy because you have Dublin and you have Galway now coming through. But at club level, and that's, when you see the success of some of the clubs in Monaghan, the Dunham Wines or whatever, and at club level, the talent is still there. It's just maybe, just whatever it is, maybe getting that extra wee bit, you know, for that one step further for the senior county team maybe to do it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen this year, what's going to happen, but um, I was confident enough that maybe the team was there this year. Um, you know, they were in the right direction, but I don't know what's going to happen now with the whole thing. Because if somebody looking on the outside see them now Division 2, they've struggled a bit in the last couple of seasons, but I've always found Monaghan myself, and I said this to Neve Kendon on one of the podcasts that we did, is that uh, they're my, sometimes their league form, uh, they don't match in the league what they can do in the championship, and they're a very, very dangerous team. And if it does all go ahead, as we hope it does, Galway and Tipperary want to be very, very alert. Oh, I mean, I think on a given day, if Monaghan of all of their you know, the personnel is there. Um, and as you say, with a wee bit of luck, there's, you know, Monaghan can run any of the counties, even last year. And to be fair, games they lost. Um, and I remember they played Galway up in Cahan. And I mean, that game was hard won by Galway. I mean, Monaghan pushed them all the way. Um, Tipperary, there was very little in it. You know, it was just, as you say, on a, on a championship, if Monaghan had their players all available to them, they will give any team a good run for it. And, Hopefully this year things do go well and that will still be the case. You mentioned club football and I was up at the opening round at Dunamoyne against O'Neill Shamrocks too and you just have to look in paper the names that are playing across the five clubs in the in the senior level to go this is a very very I know Dunamoyne are dominating at the moment and they'll be the team to be in the county final but um, as you say Imavale too and we talk about that uh, they've had a good season with three wins with the exception of one loss but there's good players too among the other three clubs. Oh that's what I mean the talent is there um, and as you say, it's just a matter of it gelling together. Um, 
I think it'd just take one big championship win if they could pull off one big win if the if the championship goes ahead. Then that will give the team the confidence for the rest of the championship. And um, there's no doubt about that. So, and I think a wee bit of luck as well. But the talent is definitely there, as you say, when you look on paper, what's available now. If all girls, you know, different girls have different commitments and things like that. But I think this year, if anything, and I know maybe all counties will be the same if it does start up again. The talent is definitely there. Um, the minor team last year got to an Ireland final. So you have a number of them girls that have come through this year. So the blend of those girls with the experienced girls that are there on a given day and the hit form, they are capable of beating any of the top teams. There's no doubt about that. And they are making their presence felt. There's a couple of them with Dunham Moyne as well. Going back to club, we talked about Mon and Harps, who enjoyed success at a national level too. But would I be fair to say that 2008 was probably the sweetest of the lot when you went back to, well, you went to Emmyvale and played with your own family and went in All-Ireland Intermediate? Oh, yeah. I mean, in fairness, as I said, the Harps will always be, you know, a special place at me as a club because they were giving me the opportunity at Stepping Stone to get involved in ladies' football. And I had brilliant years with, with the Harps team. We won the Senior Club of Ireland. Um, and then, as I said, coming back to 2005, I think it was, I made the decision to come back to Emmy Dale. Um, Ethan and Kira had started, they moved up to senior level. And I didn't know how many more years I was going to have to play. And I thought, well, if I'm going to make the move, this is the chance to do it, to be fit to play along with your own children. And Emmy Dale at that stage had been knocking at the door of junior. Um, for a number of years, so um, I think it was an honour then to come back and the Harps were more than supportive to me in that decision to come back and play with the girls and just to see, I suppose maybe I had county success and I suppose, you know, at that stage maybe coming in, just even give any veil a lift and we got to the junior, we got to the junior, we won the Ulster junior and we were beaten after replaying the final, so that gave them a veil and, you know, as I said, give them the stepping stone they had some brilliant underage teams come up from that. And then in 2008, to win the Intermediate of All-Ireland with the girls was brilliant. I mean, it was something that was very, very special. And as I said, unfortunately, at senior level, we're coming up against Dunham-Wine all the time. But 2008, you know, was brilliant to be fit to play along with the girls. I was just going to ask there as well, because... It's easy, I suppose, in one way, easy enough to separate the dynamic when you're talking sisters or you're talking brothers. How do you separate the dynamic of home on the field of play when you're talking uh, mother and daughter? Well, it's very different. I think they're all different. I mean, I think um, when I started playing off Ethan Care, they were they, they would have been very much focused in the game. And I mean, they would have passed no remarks whatsoever. When Shauna came in to play, she probably would have ended up being the joker of it, calling your mommy in the picture, Big B, as sometimes mm-hmm. would call So there was always that wee bit of banter as well. Um, and I said, I've been lucky probably to have an opportunity to play with each of the five of them at some stage, maybe not at, you know, the high, um, I think maybe in the Ireland Sevenses. Um, I might have played with four of them, three of them anyway. So it's, to be fit to play with them all at, at some stage, it's just nice to have that to say. Um, and as I said, last year, probably the five of them was the first time they all played together in a final, which was nice to see as well. And the five of them in the Ireland Sevens to be watching them, I think. Um, at that was another very, very special occasion when anybody won the Senior Sevens with the five of them on the panel. So, but I mean, different ones would, you know, different, the girls, the two older ones would just treat as another player. And the younger ones sometimes did find it maybe a wee bit more difficult. Um, but 
to get all of it. And, and I think at this stage, they're probably glad I've retired. I know, but we're keeping an eye on what's going on. Anyway, as you mentioned, they've had success in, in the All-Ireland 7s too, but it's just done a mine. They've been close in a couple of occasions. It's a real, real tough uh, task to take them down. Oh, I mean, it's, and I think it's so, it's probably difficult for the rest of the girls because they're so close all the time. And um, any other, done a mine would always probably acknowledge this themselves, that probably one of the, you know, one of the toughest games they get. Sometimes before an All-Ireland is that county final against any Vale. Um, probably if we were in many another county, we'd have county senior titles at this stage. But you're coming up against the Dunhamoyne team, and I mean, you can't take it away from them. They're probably one of the top club teams in the country, and we have to face them again in two weeks in another county final. So um, that'll be, you know, that'll be another battle. And as I suppose they'll go out and give it everything they have, you know. Um, they'll go for it and whatever happens in the day it'll be an uphill battle but the girls will give it what they have and you never know if somebody says you only have to win it once so to win just once as the Saw Doctors would have sang as well because Brenda as it turns out this podcast is going out next week leading into the county final as well so um, tell us uh, for the Emmyvale supporters in particular uh, can you see a way that they can get the barrow done of mine I think it's you know, you're going into the game now, they've already played them in the league and, you know, the result was quite a convincing result for Dunhamine. But I think when you come to a county final, the girls maybe, there were a few younger girls in this year, which is, a you know, um, a big help for them. Um, they're probably not, they'll not have any of that baggage at all about having to play Dunhamine all the time. So hopefully they'll be going into the game and have no nerves about it or whatever. You just have to go out and everybody be on top of their game and, you just never, never know with football. The players are there. And I think it's just that, you know, when a team, don't know why not, just they're in a habit of winning. And once you're in a habit of winning, it, it's, you know, it's nearly worth a couple of points to you. So all they can do is go out. Um, Support-wise, this is the problem. So yeah, I don't know if there's going to be any support at it. But um, it, it could be played, at the minute, it's going to be played behind closed doors with no supporters. So I don't know how that will affect either team. But... Maybe there'll be no nerves there. The girls can go out and play it. They'll, be, they'll not be under any pressure because with no supporters there shouting them on or shouting against them or whatever. Maybe they'll just go out and relax a wee bit more. So um, we'll just see what happens. It'll be interesting. But of course, you know, as a fan, as much as a mother too as well, when you mentioned that you can't go see them and of course you're living in a county where 400 can still go to games at the moment as well. Like streaming is a great side but it's not like being there to cheer on your own family oh definitely not i think uh, last saturday really uh, saturday gone past maybe really hit it in the nail for me how that really does affect you and um, every the right the way fella darren was playing on saturday morning he was playing another 14 match in pomeroy and i was fit to go down and watch that and then that evening ryan at his championship match any men were playing at six o'clock and the girls were playing in a crucial game at seven o'clock. And I wasn't fit to go to either of those. And I think anybody, I, I actually felt myself so, I was cranky all day. I just wasn't fit to, you know, it was so disappointing because I tried to streamline. Ryan's game was streamlined, but you couldn't watch it. It was very, very hard to watch it. And probably it was hard to get coverage where the game was. So you were sort of trying to follow it on Twitter, trying to follow it on streamline, and you couldn't. The girls game, I was fit to watch. I had my mum and dad down here. I was trying to watch some of it on the phone, but it's not the same. And I mean, 
it's just it's disappointing missing out on those two games. And as I said, you have the men playing in a championship semi final and to get to an intermediate final for the men is very, very disappointing for, you know, the supporters. And as I said, I actually and I know it's probably maybe going to be controversial about this, but I just find it so much safer starting watching a game. Whereas if it was being streamed out in the pub, going in and watching it with the crowd, and I know that's going to be debatable, but I can't get my logic around that. Where you know I could go in and watch it in the pub with whatever number, and I can't stand up on the field and watch it. But maybe that's just me as a mother being just disappointed that I can't watch them all playing. No, I, I think you like you're right as well because I think the frustrating thing among sports fans in general, not just football hurling or camogie okay. fans, is yeah. that. We can go inside to do these things where we can't go outside. Where I think it was that inconsistency with the restrictions were more frustrating than the actual behind closed doors restriction itself. Oh, yeah, I think that that genuinely is a feeling. And I mean, you're turning around feeling so disappointed because, like, I was sitting here in the house trying to watch it streamlined and I couldn't. And I thought, you know, there's nothing to stop me, you know, if it had been streamlined in a pub, going in and watching it, where I actually probably would have felt not as safe, to be honest. You know, if you're in a, a small, you know, an area where you're like 50, and I would feel actually safer watching it out in the open. But um, hopefully maybe the decision will be changed soon enough. And, and probably, as you say, I was, you know, <laughs> if the game had been here, I could have went and watched it. Mm-hmm. But it's that inconsistency, you know, and I think that's what is frustrating for people. And, you know, I know they're saying it's the fear of gathering before it and after it, but I think people are going to make that conscious decision themselves. I mean, I go to the game or come home, but that's, you know, it's just something maybe hopefully they'll look at again. Um, because that, that reason as well for an inter-county game later in the year would be a bit more understanding and like we're conscious too that there's a virus out there and everybody to be oh, safe. But at club level, it just feels like it wasn't needed yet because you, we're hitting the county final in Monaghan now, as we're talking about next yeah, week. And the community can't be there to, to, to share that occasion. And even if some could be, it would add massively to it. Oh, I definitely think so. Because, you know, and I know it's you're, you're trying to get the balance right. Um, and I would say to people, football is my social life. It, it really, it has been for whatever number of years. I don't drink. I mean, if I didn't go out from one end of the year to the next, that doesn't, I, that doesn't affect me at all. But getting to a football match, um, I remember somebody said to me at the beginning of the lockdown, what two things was I looking forward to the most? And the two things that I was looking forward to, one was to go out and watch a football match and to actually go out and have a cup of coffee in a restaurant. That was the other one. But it's, it, it's just frustrating and probably disappointing because it's the logic behind it. If it had been said that the football had to stop, full stop, you know, the games, you know, I mean, the players are out there playing on the pitch and it's it's the spectators. And I mean, I have seen even at any of the games, um, you know, men, men that probably just live for football, it was a new lease of life for them. I mean, to see them back, I remember the first game that we went to where there was 200 supporters allowed to go People were so happy. Just the smile on maybe, I remember some of them maybe 70 years of age, 80 years of age, the smile on their faces to be fit to be out watching the football was absolutely brilliant. And I mean, it was giving them that hope, that new lease of life again. And then it's taken away from them again. And it's just, it's so disappointing for them. You know, and I know we have to learn to live with it, but I think it's just, 
people at football matches that were being sensible, you know, it was easy to keep your distance. But um, I think it was just, even for mental health issues and given maybe the older generation something to look forward to, um, because they're not going to go into, a lot of them aren't going to go into a pub and watch football. They're not going to do that. Um, The highlight of their week probably is to go out and watch any of the other football. But and also, also too, with the older generation as well, they wouldn't probably fully comprehend the streaming, the Zooms, all these no. modern gadgets at the moment. Uh, life in the old day was, for some of the pub, but for the majority of people, was sport. Yeah, oh, that's it. I mean, it is. I mean, as I said, I ran into serious difficulty trying to get the stream lining up. Um, and it was a funny sort of thing. I was watching the first bit of it on Saturday. And... It was hard, probably, because the coverage wouldn't have been great. But you're, I had none of the rest in here to show me. As you say, the young ones are all into the gadgets and stuff. But I was trying to manoeuvre it myself. And I hit a button, and I was watching the game again. And I was thinking, God, God, I mean, they are actually doing very well here again. It was after the water break. And it was coming up to the end of the water break. And I noticed a foul. I goes, I actually have watched this already. I mean, I actually had watched the first... 10, 15 minutes of the game again, whatever I hit. And I mean, it's just, I mean, and that was me. How many other people are going to be in the same situation? And or maybe if they're, if they're not, the Wi-Fi in the house is poor or whatever, they're just not going to be able to benefit from it. But hopefully in a week, maybe it'll change in a week or so. Maybe it will be locked at again. Hopefully. Well, we certainly hope one way or the other. Sorry? We certainly hope one way or the other that yeah. this is the only year we have to go through go through yeah. this because so much is happening and so many are missing out on it. Brenda, before we finish up this segment and go to the final one, one question I have to ask you, you played a good bit of indoor soccer, if I'm correct as well, especially in the off-season. Did that ever have a chance of pulling you away from football full-time? Um, not really. I mean, so I remember when I um, indoor soccer, I would have played with Marker, but when I went up to Dublin, um, I worked a while in Dublin in the civil service and at that stage as well I wasn't aware of any football teams but I played with the revenue I would have worked in the council and the revenue commissioners at the time and I would have played a bit of soccer out in Phoenix Park different places um, whenever I was in Dublin, up in Dublin for that couple of months but no it never really I think just when you're born in Scotstown it's just the Gaelic football is there now I followed soccer in the television and I remember following the Premier League and all the rest of it but no it just didn't you know, the Gaelic was just a passion of mine and that's what I stuck to when I came back. And it always will remain a passion. Brenda, thanks a million for joining us. We're now going to move on to our final segment of the programme and that is the famous Fantastic Four uh, where I asked the uh, featured player to pick the two best players that you've played with that could be club, county, whatever criteria you decide yourself and then the two best that you've played against. So Brenda McInespy, we'll start with the two players you've played for, uh, with, sorry. Uh, the first yeah. player you've played with and why? Well, Jenny Graydon, I think, has to be one of them. Um, Jenny, when she came on to the county team, she was 12, 13 years of age. Um, she's just, and I think even our girls watching her lately, Jenny would put her head in where her boot went in, and it was just that passion. And I mean, uh, it's just the drive that she had, the strength she had, and just that commitment, I think, you couldn't take away from her. And you knew once Jenny was at centre half back, you had a safe pair of hands there. And I remember before one of the All-Ireland finals, we were training up in Blaney and Jenny went over on her ankle and we were thinking, oh no, I mean, it was nearly like, it was like pulling your team apart. Once you knew Jenny was there, um, 
you were confident going into a game. And I remember it might have been two weeks before the game we were training. And the minute we seen her picking up a niggly injury, but the Jenny that was in it, she went out and played. She picked herself up. And I think that attitude, um, she just gave everything to the jersey she had. And once she was in your team, you're a happy teammate. So um, she'd have to be one of them. And she I mean, Sorry. As I was going to say, she was a model of consistency. Oh, and it just goes to show, even with the All-Star Awards that she won. And even watching back in the game against Leash, Jenny would die for it. I mean, it was just, she wasn't afraid to put her head in or her heart. Everything was just there. She Once she went out onto that pitch, her full commitment was there. So that definitely, I'd have to say Jenny was one. I mean, picking another one, you could have picked numerous ones, like, um, and probably up in the forward line, you have, uh, Baby Larkin and you had Diane Dempsey and, but I think probably I've got to go with Maggie Kearns in this one um, I mean Maggie for the size and I think her size she was small in stature but what she hadn't got in size she definitely had it in heart and commitment she was the captain of the team maybe that won I think her passion just her ability as a forward her sight like nothing got in her way and just her whole personality I think she always had a smile on her face, um, and I think I'd have to go for Maggie Kearns as well in that one. Two of them from Naha Ball Club, which happens to turn out to be, but there's so many more you could. Um, but I think just Maggie, her size and her stature, but what she gave to ladies football as well was unreal, unbelievable. You said captaincy too, and because that passion drive, it could see yeah. through to the rest of the panel as well that creates a successful uh, team. And probably as well, I could relate to her because you see, and she was a mother as well. She had children as well. So, you know, and yet she was there and probably at the very beginning, um, she was just that, just that forward that you would have wanted in your team as well. But as I said, there's a number of others. When you're limiting me to two, it's hard, but, um, there's a lot more you could have added to it as well. Well, we have Jenny Green and uh, Jenny Green and sorry, and Maggie Kearns are on Brenda McInnesby's Fantastic Four. Now, Brenda, it's time for the two players that you've played against. So, the first player that you've played against, and why? Um, well, played against, I remember probably I'm going to have two rounds. Bottom would be one that would come to mind. Um, when you're a defender and you hear the word Sue Rams Bottom, you're going, "Oh God!" Um, her strength, her ability, um, was just something else. Um. She had a big, big talent. And as I said, I know in probably in recent years you've got Cora Staunton, but to me, Sue Ramsbottom probably was the Cora Staunton back when I was playing. And um, She could score. She had that strength. And you would have needed a very, very special defender to be fit a marker. Um, that would be number one. And then another player was, um, as I said, and I get muddled up, and here's me having twins of my own, was <laughs> the Orion's twin, the one that I always ended up marking. Um, just, just their ability as well. Um, and I'm going to say, I think it's Geraldine Orion was the one, now Martina, and I'm going to get probably not for this one, but um, they were ones that I always would have had mighty tussles with when we were playing against Waterford as well. We, and they were very, very strong physically, and they're also very, very good footballers as well. So you always had your work cut out when you're marking them. We, ha we have set a precedent already for twins being put in in one slot in the Fantastic Four. So if you want to put yeah. both Geraldine and Martina in. I put both of the twins in in that one because it's probably like my own. They could have been switching about and I might have knew the difference in them. So <laughs> I haven't them in together there yet. 
Well, we've been at a fantastic five here, and I said you're not the first uh, to do it as well. I think Emma Deneen from Kerry had the two war twins from Galway uh, in as one pick for herself. So Brenda McInesby's fantastic four, four or fantastic five in this case are Jenny Greenan and Maggie Kearns, both from Monaghan, Sue Ramsbottom, and the Orion twins, Geraldine and Martina from Waterford. Brenda, I really, really enjoyed having this conversation and absolutely delighted to talk. I hope we talk again sometime uh, again okay. in the future. Future. And best of luck to Emmy Vale in the county final. Uh, I know you, you won't get to watch it live. We'll keep an eye on it anyway. And uh, thank you very much for joining us here on the Fair Green. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for another Ladies Football edition of the Fair Green. Our team song is National Duality from Joseph McDade. And you can hear more from him on josephmcdade.com slash music. Don't forget to check out the Camogie Show on Thursday when Wexford's Kate Kelly is our special guest. I'd like to thank this week's ladies football feature on the Fair Green Mountains, Brenda McInesby. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Darren Kelly, and this was the Fair Green. Fair Green.